know, the other day I was talking to um, uh, one of my colleagues here at CKNW, and uh, we were just casually talking about um, uh, Christmas and holidays uh, and obviously festivities and getting together with family and friends. And um, she had mentioned to me that uh, she was taking a break from alcohol for a month. Uh, just one of those kind of things that you do. A lot of folks do that. I was talking to another friend recently, and uh, they also said, we're going to do a cleanse, and I'm going to stay off alcohol for uh, six months. It was just one of those things where people sort of think about and talk about um, when January comes around in regards to resolutions and perhaps you've been enjoying uh, the um, the Christmas holidays with family and friends, and that includes festive cocktails, of course. And perhaps it's just a, a recent shift or perhaps it's a broader conversation society, society is having. More and more locals are turning to um, sort of exploring sobriety, that you don't need to in, 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 in sort of social uh, situations automatically uh, having a drink. Now, there are several uh, community-founded groups here in Vancouver that are sort of talking about that issue and sort of catering to those very individuals who are talking about um, perhaps having a sober social event. There's groups like Van Sober, Sober Babes Vancouver. And our next group that we're going to be talking to, Katie Deegan, is the founder of Sober Saturdays. Hello, Katie. Hi, thanks so much for having me. Thank you for joining us. Uh, give me a, give me an idea of how did your organization begin? Um, well, it's a bit of a long story. I would say the best way to hear the full version is honestly just to either follow my Instagram or um, Google my name. But for a little synapse, um, essentially for me personally, um, I grew up in foster care. I mm-hmm. aged out of the system. Mm-hmm. So I've been slowly, for honestly, trigger warning, been watching my family slowly deteriorate in front of my eyes because of addiction and alcoholism for my entire life. Mm-hmm. Um, when I turned 18 and went to school in Alberta, um, the legal drinking age there is actually 18, not 19, like where I was from. And I didn't know how to make a friend. I didn't know how to make friends as an adult. So I started going to bars and restaurants. Um, and I was anxious, so I started drinking, so I'd be brave enough to talk to people. Mm-hmm. And then over time, I started, you know, working in those clubs and whatnot. And, um, yeah, I was just at an after party one day, and, you know, one of my friends was just, like, kind of joking around. He's like, yeah, you know, we're all, like, um, you know, we're all addicts and we're all alcoholics, you know. And, like, my other friends laughed, but obviously it's because they hadn't grown up the way I did. And they didn't realize, you know, that no one wakes up wanting to be an addict or an alcoholic, it happens over time. And so um, I wanted to create essentially like a sort of an inception company that taught my friends and establishments in um, Canada um, to carry alcohol-free products to sort of change the environment for people who are working on their drinking. Mm-hmm. Because, um, yeah, when I would think back about my family, you know, like they would go to all these programs, they would take all the medication, and then they would come out and relapse. And I didn't understand why until I decided to quit drinking or step back. And I realized it's environmental. Mm-hmm. Like all these bars and restaurants, they come out of their rehabs to come and socialize. And then these places are just not set up to help people live a healthy life. Mm-hmm. And I get that because obviously they're making money off of alcohol. Um, but, you know, you can make money off of other things that are non-alcoholic too if you would just carry them. Yeah. And so for you, what province did you grow up in? Um, well, I was born in BC, mm-hmm. but um, I was taken away from my family officially in Alberta. So technically, the government of Alberta was my parent, and so um, I aged out of the system actually in BC. So once you turn 18, um, the government stops paying for you, and so your foster um, parent either lets you stay until you graduate, or you have to pay to stay there. And so I couldn't afford to pay to stay where I was staying, so I moved in with a friend. Um, but then Alberta has this really great bursary program called Advanced Futures, mm-hmm. where the government will pay for your schooling until you're 25. 
Um, and so then I had to move to Alberta in order to receive those benefits. To do all those benefits. Okay, so when, yeah. you, when you came here, uh, is in your mind, is there a growing sober culture here in Vancouver? Oh, heck yes. And I'm so I'm so proud to even be able to say that. Like, um, the reason why I moved to BC from Alberta was because I saw the trajectory of things going. People live a more healthier lifestyle out here. They're just a little bit more liberal. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they care more about health. I think that this is something that would have happened a lot sooner if there was a lot more conversation about it. Like, for example, um, no offense or anything, but when you were mentioning, you know, that your friend was trying to not drink over the holidays, you laughed. And it's like, isn't that interesting how that's funny? You know what I mean? It's like how even the thought of celebrating without Mm -hmm. alcohol is just like a little silly. You're like, can you imagine? You know, oh yeah, no. This was this was a- after we we were talking about, and, yeah, yeah. She, and she's got a family and she's got kids. But it, what it was yeah. was I felt I just drank too much just because over dinner yeah. with friends, family, and it was like I'm I'm gonna take four weeks. So I was I was chuckling yeah. because so many people do it, and I well, and it's yeah. for health reasons as well. But I, I'm curious. I'm curious when you're at these events, like what, what kind of yeah. things do do the the folks that attend talk about? How give me a sense? Well, and I know so with COVID it slowed it down, but what do you yeah, do with, in live events? Well, so essentially what I'm trying to get to the bottom of is why everyone's drinking. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I drank because I was too nervous to talk to people, and I was too scared to death. So, you know, I'm trying to create an environment that is essentially a little awkward, but mm-hmm. it's to help all of us learn how to socialize without needing liquid courage. So most of my events will cater to the different senses. There'll be music. There'll be different types of art. There'll be different types of conversation. Um, there'll be you know, different types of interactive experiences so that you can learn how to have fun without, you know, just the typical get drunk and dance, you know? Mm-hmm. So I teach people how to be creative. I hold space for awkward conversations. Um, I try to make them actually quite silly so we can, like, reconnect with our inner children and things like that and just, yeah, learn how to be people around each other without needing to be under the influence. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm going to assume because of COVID, uh, you've had yeah. mostly um, online events. Uh, are you yeah. at the point where you're doing live events? Or are you close to doing live events? Yeah. So over COVID, um, I was actually really nervous for my community because um, socializing is like a big way for us to not follow our triggers and to not fall back into addiction. And so um, I'm not sure if you're aware, but within the first month of COVID, um, all the women's shelters were full. The grocery stores were closed, but the liquor stores were open. Yes. Um, as someone, you know, who grew up in abuse, that was one of the most terrifying things for me to think of for other people. You know, just like being locked in your, your space without, with like your abuser, you know, and they have all the supplies they need and they have nowhere to go. Um, really freaked me out. So um, one of the biggest things that I wanted to do was create an online platform that not only um, shared music and was like a 24-7 community where we could all hang out online, but also there was a lot of like hand signals that you could do if you are in danger. You know, we shared a lot of um, resources for if you were going through a hard time, like who you could call, where you could call. Um, but essentially, it's a community that will continue onward after this. It's a free 24-7 community um, where we can all help each other and just communicate without having to pay or physically show up for a meeting. Um, and then now the events will be physical and virtual. So um, before COVID, when I threw an event, only people in my area could come. Um, but now that we've made it virtual as well and we can do it online, um, now it's not restricted to just this area. We can throw a physical event here, but also stream it live. So it becomes more of an international platform for everyone. Excellent. And where can people get yeah. more information uh, just in regards to perhaps contacting you or learning more yeah. about Sober Saturdays? Uh, well, Instagram's the best place to go um, just because it's like the easiest updated and stuff. But also they can join the online community, which is a Discord. Discord is kind of a new platform I'm using 
Um, there's less algorithms, so it's easier to contact everyone. And it gives also people direct access to one to each other. So say I'm not there and you want, you know, you need support. You know, there's different channels with, like, support or you can talk to other people. And since it's more international, there's usually always someone awake. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, it's also a Zoom room, too, 24-hour Zoom room. So say, you know, you work from home and you don't feel like being alone. You don't want to get depressed. You know, I also work from home. You can just, like, go into this Zoom room at any time and people will be there. It's like a silent little place so you can literally just, like, eat lunch with other people. You know, it sounds a little silly, but one of the biggest things that I realized happens that are like that um, trigger relapses is like loneliness and lack of community. And, um, you know, my community is a bit of like a land of the misfit toys. We, um, we're an alcohol-free community, but we still um, like to learn about plant medicines and psychedelics and cannabis. And so um, my platform is more about education and alternative ways of becoming or changing your relationship with alcohol in whatever way that looks for you. Yeah. Um, yeah. Katie, thank you so much. Really enjoyed our no conversation and all the best to you and uh, yeah. nothing but success for your organization. Thank you so much today. Thanks so much. Talk to you. For most of us, crime is something we see on the news. We never think it could happen to us until it does. Loved ones are gone, and for the survivors, the scars will never heal. I'm Nancy Hickst, a senior crime reporter for Global News. And on this season of Crime Beat, I'll take you inside some of the most serious crime stories I've covered. Season six of Crime Beat is available now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and all podcast platforms.